Hey, hockey moms, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club. And now a word from tonight's sponsor. Wheel, snipe, party! The leader in lifestyle hockey apparel, Gong Show, has just launched their fall 2018 lineup and it is loaded with new styles of buckets, tees, sweaters, and more. Sure to keep you looking like an all-star when you head back to the barn this fall. Gong Show gear is created by hockey players, for hockey players, including their hockey legs. Jeans made with more room for hockey players where they need it, so you can finally fit that hockey ass comfortably into a pair of pants. Check them out at www.gongshowgear.com. Gong Show, built in the locker room. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club. Tonight we have episode 25, special episode for the Blue Line Hockey Club. We have the usual suspects with us tonight. We have Derek, our all-around sports guru, D-Train D2. What's up, Derek? What's up, sweet nose? And Robbie Pete Peters coming in from Canton, New York. Robbie is our local nerd on staff. Robbie, what's up? Hey, how you doing, man? And Patrick, Uncle Lardy Sullivan coming from Asheville, North Carolina. Patrick is our producer. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And your host tonight, Mark the Doctor. Morley. Oh, doctor. Oh, doctor. Mark's got a new kid. And another kid on the way. Not on the way, actually, in the house. In the house. house. And we have special guests with us tonight, Adam Fox. Adam Fox is currently with the Crimson at Harvard. Adam, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, man. Good Good to have you on the blue line. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you're right into the thick of things that, uh, Going back to school and going to class and all that shit. Yeah, we actually just had our first day of classes yesterday, so kind of getting back into the rhythm of everything. Uh, it must be an experience going to Harvard. I mean, none of us even came close to that in our uh, collegiate career, so it must be an intense academic uh, life at Harvard, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a lot of uh, smart kids in the classes here, and, uh, you know, Definitely tough at times to keep up with them, but, you know, you, you manage. Nice. So what's it like? I mean, are the girls fucking super smart there, too? Or is it, like, they kind of nerdy, or what's up with that? Uh, uh, there's a few. I mean, they're uh, <laughs> definitely some smart ones, definitely some uh, some others that are around here. But, it's uh, you know, you're right in Boston, so you don't have to, you know, worry too much about that aspect. So yeah, what, I, yeah. what are most of the guys on the team? Do they date Arbor Checks, or are you dating, like – yeah, no, we actually, uh, we have a lot of guys who date uh, girls in the lacrosse team, you know, guys who are other athletes, you know, kind of keep it within the family, it seems, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely, uh, you know, common for, you know, guys on uh, one team to date some girls on some other sports teams. Pass them around. So, yeah, I went to uh, UMass, Amherst, and we used to go play Harvard in lacrosse, and, you know, we'd go up there and we'd say, we're playing the fucking smock kids today, you know, we were just baseball. <laughs> State school bullies coming into Harvard, but they always had a good crew. Their lacrosse team was always pretty good there. We had a good time. So, I mean, the Harvard hockey program has been phenomenal lately. You know, how are you guys looking this season? Yeah, I mean, we're looking pretty good, obviously. You know, every year it seems you lose guys and you kind of wonder how, you know, the incoming freshmen will, you know, play, how guys will play, you know, after having a year of college under their belt. So, you know, we obviously have some skilled players, some guys who were, you know, drafted pretty high and some guys who have done well, you know, throughout their college careers so far. So, you know, we're looking pretty good and pretty excited to get going. 
So you have the loss of Ryan Donato um, leaving the squad. That's got to hurt a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, you know, he's a great player. And, you know, like I said, it seems like for us, we kind of lose a high-end guy each year. You know, obviously, my freshman year, we had guys like Alex Kerfoot, who, you know, had a great rookie year and stuff. And the year before that, they lost, uh, you know, VZ. This year was Ryan. So, you know, we uh, you just got to find a way to, you know, play without those guys and, you know, kind of come together as the group you have. Adam, who are some of the young who are some of the young freshmen coming in that we should be watching for? Uh, we got, you know, two kids that were drafted. You know, Jack, Jack Drury went uh, second round to Carolina. And Jack Rathbone, I think, went fourth round to Vancouver. So uh, those are definitely two guys to watch out for. I know there's a couple other incoming freshmen that had uh, some good USHL careers and, you know, BCHL careers. So uh, definitely those are some guys to look out for, though. Were you uh... – were you thinking about leaving this season, or was it you coming back the whole time? Was that on the, uh, on the plate? Yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty set on coming back. Uh, you know, obviously, it's not a you know tough decision to choose to come back. It's you know, it's Harvard. It's a great place for me, and you know, for me, I didn't know if I was ready to make that jump just yet. So I think it was always a you know pretty pretty high chance I was coming back for this year. So. When I heard when Donato left, he was actually taking classes at Harvard while he was playing for the Bruins. Yeah, so he would. Uh, I mean, it was pretty fortunate for him as to how close, obviously Boston, you know, all their facility is. You know, he's from here, so it was, it was pretty easy for him. But yeah, he would uh, come back, take classes like in the afternoon, and then you know head back and go to practice or something. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, Good for him. that Harvard education will take you pretty far in life in case you break your leg or yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so Adam, uh, well, I, I'm just going to say, why, why don't you just explain or, you know, describe your, your path to, to Harvard and, you know, getting to play for USA and, you know. Strong yeah, Island yeah, boy. So, Long Island boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long Island boy. Uh, I heard you guys had uh, McAvoy on this earlier, so. Yeah. Got a good Long Island crew. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I played with, uh, you know, him, Jeremy Bracco uh, growing up. I played for Long Island goals pretty much my whole youth hockey career, you know, played against, uh, you know, Jordan and, and uh, those guys at Shattuck growing up. And, you know, and then luckily enough, you know, I was able to make that NCDP team and play there for two years. And, you know, I've uh, been lucky enough to play on those World Junior teams too. So, you know, it's obviously been fun to be able to, you know, play with a lot of high-end kids, you know, from youth hockey, too, and just see where everyone's at now. It's, it's pretty fun. So, so Adam, you, you kind of, you're kind of a, uh, I guess, you know, what you see in drafting into the NHL now is, you know, a little bit of a, I guess in, in our world, you'd say it's a little bit smaller size defenseman, you know, being 5'11 or something like that, 180 pounds. Um, how do you see, you know, how do you see, uh, do, you see do you see your size as, like, kind of the, the up-and-coming thing in the NHL as far as defenseman goes. I know you have great vision and things like that that go along with it, but uh, you want to speak a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, for sure. I think there's definitely, you know, a, a shift in the NHL in the past few years to you know not as much size and, and you, know, uh, you know, how strong you are and the hits you can throw, but it's all about speed and skill. And, you know, I think that plays perfectly for the way I want to play. And, you know, just the offensive defenseman is, you know, obviously the big role today. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of sought out in the NHL and, I think that definitely plays to my life. You know, the game's had a big shift in the past 10 years. That definitely benefits me. You kind of model your game after anybody growing up? or uh, I loved watching Nick Lindstrom growing up. I mean, I was just 
you know, so amazed by some of the things he did. And obviously, you know, he's one of the best defensemen ever. So that's you know, a pretty easy guy to, you know, grow up watching and really enjoy. Nice. So do you golf at all, Adam? Yeah, I do. I actually uh, golfed a bit this summer. You know, I kind of started playing like three years ago. But this summer is really when I, uh, you know, started playing a lot, a couple times a week. How How's your handicap? You pretty good or are you just getting into this? Uh, it's all right. It's inconsistent. It has to change, <laughs> but um, more bad than good. But it's uh, it's getting there. I'll, I'll tell you my handicap when it's when it's a pretty good one. Yeah, we'll join the club. We're all inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love going to play golf with a guy who's like fucking three hundred pounds and you know big fat piece of shit, and he kicks my ass in golf. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I know, I'm a better athlete than this fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, I had an argument with my dad if uh, golfers are athletes. Uh, my dad's not the most fit guy and he's pretty good at golf so it's kind of an argument about that that's a good that's a good argument that's that'd be a tough one to uh come on top with yeah talk about your outlook on the uh upcoming season at, at harvard man it, it's uh we live in uh i mean a majority of it well three of us live pretty close to canton new york where st lawrence university plays and so we'll watch you, you know, at Same least once this Clarkson, year. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll watch you play this year. So tell us about your outlook uh, this year. Obviously, your goal probably is to win the ECACs, but talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think for us every year, you know, since I've been here, we kind of have, a, uh, you know, a goal in mind of at least making the national uh, tournament. So uh, obviously, you know, you want to put yourself in a position at an at-large bid, you know, just in case you – you had about winning your conference, so that way you can still qualify for that. But, uh, you know, I think we have a lot of skill this year. You know, it's, it's a lot of guys who are going to step up. You know, we had some good freshmen last year and uh, some good freshmen that are coming in. And, you know, obviously we have upperclassmen with a lot of experience, and, you know, uh, a lot of games under their belt. So I'm I'm very excited. You know, I think we're going to have a good year. And, you know, I'm pretty, pretty excited to get started. Yeah, there was, a, I think it was a top 20 that just came out last week. ECAC wise, I think Clarkson was in there, Harvard, and who else was up in there for the ECACs? Um, Cornell is usually up there. Yeah, yeah, Clarkson had a really good year last year too. So I think they're returning a yeah, bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, they were the ones that uh, knocked us out of the ECAC tournament. In Lake Placid. Yeah, they uh, we had a four-one lead and ended up losing five-four in overtime. Ah oh, no! Rough. Who's between the pipes for you guys this year? Michael Lackey is going to be our goalie. He uh, he played a few games last year. and It was good for us. He had, you know, double hip surgery like my freshman year, so he, uh, you know, didn't get a lot of you know, chances then, obviously, because he was out all year. But you know, last year he played some games. It was it was pretty good for us. He's in the he's from National Development Program, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played on that NTDP team. I didn't know he had bilateral hip surgery. Yeah, he had. Uh, after his freshman year, so he all sophomore year he was just kind of recovering. Tougher goalie, damn. Yeah, um, so he's uh, he's doing better now. So you're with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes now. Yeah, your rights rights got traded from Calgary. At least uh, you can wear flip flops now to uh, practice or first half of the year. Yeah, I went there for development camp, and it was uh, it was definitely a little hot hotter than uh, when I was up in Calgary. <laughs> what was the development camp like? Uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, they make it, you know, they make it pretty tough. It was, uh, you know, a lot of skating, and they had us doing off ice workouts and, and all that. But it's always pretty fun. You know, you're hanging out with, 
know a bunch of guys around your age and you, know, you have to know some of the prospects draft picks and you know overall it's, it's a fun time a lot of changes in carolina with new coach and uh you know some changes in the front office and is that you get to meet all the, the new crew in carolina when you're down there i'm sure yeah i mean they were kind of preaching to us about that how uh you know they're trying to get a real culture change going there you know they've missed the playoffs for a couple of years, at least a couple of years now and and uh you know they're trying to obviously they they got rid of some guys brought some guys in you know obviously the coaching staff so uh they're going in the right direction and you know they got a, a whole re- new regime there that i was you know fortunate enough to meet at development camp so it was pretty nice yeah, with the new coach, uh, Rod Brendamore there, uh, we grew up watching him in the NHL, so that's a big motivation factor for uh, the Hurricanes to uh, motivate their players, I guess. So um, I'm pretty excited, and like you said, they got some, uh, you know, Dougie Hamilton came over. They got some pretty good guys on defense, and uh, I'm sure they can't wait to get you up there. Yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, looking good there, so pretty excited. Yeah, speaking to that, um, as a defenseman, you were um, an All-American the last couple of years at Harvard. I mean, that's a pretty big feat to come in and be an All-American your first year. Uh, also on the All-Rookie team for ECACs, All-Tournament team. You know, you had a had a pretty stellar career so far. Um, you know, as far as goals for this season, um, I think you've you've uh, reached many of them in the past. So, do you have any personal goals that you're trying to reach for your junior season? Hobie Baker. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, obviously for me. Um, <laughs> You know, coming into my third year now, I want to be a, you know, pretty dominant player in college. You know, obviously, you know, I want to be in that Hobie conversation and, you know, goals like that. But uh, just for me, I mean, some stuff's out of your control. So, I mean, just for me coming in, you know, playing my best, like, every game is it's really all I could do. But, you know, obviously, to, you know, hopefully be in the Hobie conversation. Uh, you know, obviously, like you said, I want to, you know, repeat as an All-American again and, and you know, have keep those high standards for myself. So, uh, yeah, definitely those are some of the goals and shoot for. Well, I, I think you, you don't have to worry too much. You just uh, do what you do, and um, you'll be fine. Um, with, you know, all those um, awards that you've won, going to a development program, going to Harvard, is there anything you can't do? Like, are you bad at anything? Did you play any other sports or anything uh, the, growing up? Uh, yeah, I played, you know, when obviously when I was real young, I played a bunch of sports, but you know, when I was in high school, I uh, I played lacrosse. I played a little bit of soccer, but when I got to like tenth grade, it was it was all hockey. So I haven't haven't done much of those in a while. So can't imagine I was good as I once was. Do you have any uh, Do you have any sort of rituals or anything before your games? Uh, no, I mean I'm not a real uh, superstitious or you just lace them up and get out there and go at it. Yeah, yeah, just. Try and enjoy myself. Show up to the rink. You know, I don't. I, I don't like to get too much in my head before games. I like to, you know, keep it loose. So I don't want to you know, get in my own head before a game if I don't tape my stick the exact, you know, way or the, <laughs> the exact time. Hey, hey, we're just like that. So, get yeah. you beat, beat off before the game. So. <laughs> that's, that's what Mark used to do before every game. Yeah, uh, loosen up, loosen up. In the locker in front of everybody. hey do you have like a defensive partner lined up that you know you're going to be playing with or are you going to get stuck with a freshman because you're uh 
one of the better defense around the team. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know. They, they change it every year. I think, you know, we don't play our first game until, like, end of October. So we got, you know, almost two months to, you know, sort some things out. So, I mean, we haven't gotten anything yet, but, you know, it's it's hard to guess right now. It's just kind of some new new guys coming in and some guys leaving. So I'm interested to see what they do. So uh, before we let uh, anyone go, we usually go around the horn and ask a few random questions, and then uh, we'll let you go. So I'll go first. Do you play Fortnite? I actually recently have gotten into it. I got an Xbox this summer, and it was like so. So yeah, I'm pretty into it now. I wasn't a few months ago, but I am now. Can you build walls yet? Oh shit. <laughs> So Adam, you're from uh, you're from Jericho, New York, right? So what's uh, is yeah. there anything special we should know about Jericho? Anything interesting? Any places to eat? Anything like that that you you want to uh, tell us um, about? I mean, yeah, there's some good places. That, uh, I always tell people the egg and cheese is. You know, that's kind of uh, what I always brag about when I go with you know my friends from Michigan, Minnesota. I always tell them, you know, the egg and cheeses are great. So I think that's the one thing I always like to brag about. Yeah, the New York Deli. So where are you on the LIE? Which exit is it? It's exit 40. So that's Suffolk County? Nassau. 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 All right, so uh, do you prefer uh, brunettes or blondes? Ooh, uh, (laughs) I honestly think blondes. I think blondes. Redheads? It's not a big, it's not a big, that's not a big, uh, I don't worry about that too much, but I I think I prefer blondes. (laughs) Uh, you got, Pete? This is an easy one, I, I think. Adam, if if you don't, you know, God forbid you don't make it to the NHL, what is your fallback plan? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if, if I uh, have thought too much about that, but I would probably want to do something in business. <laughs> you know, I don't know specifically what. I mean, that's a pretty broad thing to say. But, You'd be a business guy? Um, yeah, something within that, that field. Okay. Taking the train down to Wall Street. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. What's your favorite hotspot when you go home in the summer? What's your favorite hotspot in the city? Do you go out in the city much? Uh, Honestly, I don't make it out to the city too much. I've gone to the Hamptons a couple weekends when I'm home. But, you know, for some of it, just getting to the city is kind of a hassle, especially if you want to go out like on a Friday or Saturday because – it's a 40 minute train ride and then they come like every hour 15 past like one in the morning. So it's, you could not get home till like four 30 if you, if you miss one train or something. So <laughs> I'm actually not a big city guy, but definitely love going to the beach and, you know, out east to the Hamptons or Montauk. That, that was Mark's, Mark's excuse in the city. He uh, would miss the train so he wouldn't have to go home. Yeah. Tell my wife, oh fuck, I missed the train. I'll see you in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Show up at six in the morning. So, do you do any fishing down there? There's a lot of fishing off the uh, Long Island coast. Do you do any fishing? Yeah, there? a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It depends who I'm hanging out with. When I'm hanging out with like my friends who live on the water, you know, love doing that. I I'll go fishing, but you know, sometimes I'll just you know go on the beach, not even not fish, just hang out, just chill with. Know some friends that, that don't do that, so so uh, it depends who I'm hanging out with for sure. Well, perfect, man. Well, thanks for coming on. It's uh, appreciate you coming on and talking with us for a little bit, and uh, hopefully we can get you on maybe in the middle of the season and see how you guys are doing at Harvard. 
Yeah, for sure. That sounds great. Uh, thanks for having me. It's fun. Hey, man. Good luck. We'll see yeah, you up here in the North Country when you play Clarkson in St. Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Hopefully, Harvard coming out with a win, though. <laughs> <laughs> we just want it like 12 or 6, six or 12 sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. That's that I can do. All right, Adam. Thanks a lot, man. Ah, uh, yeah, no problem. Good luck, man. Yep. Yeah. Fox with us on the Crimson, the uh, Harvard and the Carolina Carolina prospect. He's uh, seems like a pretty humble guy, like a lot of our guests, especially the younger guests. They seem to uh, be very humble in where they are. I mean, if you look at this guy, um, you know, when I asked him about what his goals were, I mean, it's it's almost amazing to look at an All-American as a freshman. It's really hard to do, especially as a defenseman. Um, you know, there's only a few slots that are getting that award. So, you know, if you're a freshman and you're beating out all of the upperclassmen for an All-American, I mean, in the whole nation, I guess that's just the East way hockey does it. But, you know, that's still a huge feat as a freshman. You think about it coming in, you know, from the National Development Program, and being able to step up and be one of the best defensemen in college hockey your first year. And he repeated that again uh, last year. So, I mean, he's, if you look at his, his other stats, like, I mean, he's pretty much won every award that he's going to win, except for like a Hobie Baker. So um, this guy's the real deal defenseman. Um, I think we're going to see him in the NHL pretty soon. I don't think he's going to have to worry about that Harvard degree right away. That business contract's going to yeah, be spending I mean, it. The, the reason I asked was to find out if he, you know, really considered anything other than the NHL. And I think his answer was, well, I never thought of anything else. <laughs> he could have stopped right there. But... He could have said, fuck you, I'm playing in the NHL, right, motherfucker. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> I, I think it, if you go to Harvard and you're a Division One athlete, like, you don't even think about that. You just go to school and get your degree. Like, I, I, I don't think no one, you're not going to find a job. So, um, he's not worried. About obviously, it. he's not worried about it. So, obviously, he's going to be in the NHL. But, um, yeah, it's just crazy having, you know, I just can't get over being a athlete at Harvard with doing all the schoolwork and being on the road. You know, sometimes they leave Thursday. Um, if they're going, you know, up to St. Lawrence or Clarkson, um, those tests they must take. And, you know, it's, I almost think sometimes, you know, you, you put us in a state college and we kind of, we kind of float through it. Is that the same? It's probably the same for him. He, he's just such a smart kid that once he gets to Harvard, it's kind of just like the norm. I just do my same old shit, you know, and I pass. So. Yeah, yeah, they say the hardest yeah. thing is getting getting into those schools. You know, once you get in, you, you know, you can do the work, you do your studying and stuff like that. But, um, you know, you have to be smart. You have to be bright to get into those schools. And, uh, you know, the work curriculum might be, not be that much greater, but you're just with a, a good group of, of athletes and students that, you know, are doing similar you know, work he, at a higher level. Into, if, if he made it into uh, – Harvard through the, you know, the, it's kind of like a rigorous, I'm sure, entry as far as, you know, from a scholastic side and the athletic side. So, I mean, it's probably not a big deal. You know, like, like Pat's saying, it's probably not a big deal to him. You know, it's just he's there, he's playing hockey, he's just doing what he's always done. So, you know, he's a smart kid, great athlete, uh, 
he's got it made, man, and he's he's a great prospect. I know he's known. I, I read some stuff about him, and he's I, he had a, like a massive amount of assists, you know, over uh, over his first couple of seasons. His freshman, like, I think. his freshman year, he had his game high assists was against St. Lawrence, and he had three of them. Yeah, but he had like fifty some assists, and yep. I don't even know, like sixty games or something like that. So. He, Good vision. He's, he's got, you know, the big thing for a defenseman, especially if you're a little bit undersized. You got to have great vision. You got to be able to uh, skate with the puck. You got to be a, a goal scorer. And looks like he's got all that going for him. So he's got all the tools, especially with the new uh, mold of the NHL defenseman, which seems to be going to a little bit smaller size and a guy that can handle the puck and skate with the puck and move the puck and score goals. Uh, he, he looks like he's in great shape moving forward. Yeah, and that's one of the things he talked about when you asked him about size. The first thing he said was uh, being an offensive defenseman and how much that helps. So, you know, he's pretty aware of what his strengths are. And You know, you look at a guy like Carlson, you know, I mean, how many teams want Carlson on their team because how much offense he creates. You know, that's uh, the new mold of the best defensemen in the league. Yeah, it's pretty big when you can contribute to the to the goal scoring and the offensive side of things. Hanging back at the blue line is uh, is going by the wayside. Thing of the past, yep. Hanging out at the blue line hockey club, though, is a thing of the future. You betcha. That's for sure. Pat used to so, hang out at the wayside. Crackside Tavern. So uh, we got some big news in the NHL. Nate Smith of the uh, Las Vegas Knight um, just got suspended 20 games, $485,000 for failing a uh, drug test. Heads. They have, yep, they have not released what it was. So, you know, it's kind of up in the air to me. I mean, is it something that he ate? Um, they were saying that it was like a grain of salt in an Olympic-sized pool. You know, for me, to for them to actually suspend him, it has to be something that is really on the uh, PED, um, I don't know, test Prohibited, Prohibited yeah. So top of the list for that kind of suspension. Yeah, so I, I would just like to know what it is, and I I don't think they'll ever come out and tell us what it is. They're not going to uh, tell us what it is. It's going to be buried somewhere deep. Yeah, but it's unfortunate. You know, these guys worked their whole life, essentially, from where they started playing hockey to get to this level they're at now, and they come out and say he's using performance-enhancing drugs, and it just changed your, your, your career a little bit because people think you've been taking them, and that's how you became such a good player. And, uh, you know, now he's coming out saying that, you know, he's never taken anything that's uh, not on the list of performance enhancing drugs. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's sad to see if he didn't really do anything on purpose. And this is something that was in his system. I, I think like Pat said, it was seven billionths of a percent of this drug. So it was very small, minute, trace. you know, trace. trace in his system. So, you know, hopefully if it, if that's the case, he beats it and he gets back in the lineup. I know that uh, you know he's one of their their main guys in Vegas, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I mean it's huge for Vegas. I mean he's going to be out his next his next time he'll be able to step on the ice for the team is November 18th, and you know that's uh, pretty significant in the NHL how many games that they play up until that point. So that can make or break being you know one of the top defensemen um, on your team. Um, I did hear some talks that they were looking into get Eric Carlson, but I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, just just the fact, I would be pissed as Vegas, but I guess there's nothing you can do. You can't appeal it. So 
Um, I guess he's not coming out or saying anything to the media. Um, either is the uh, Vegas Knights um, front office. They're just letting it go. So there's no appeal process for something like that. Yeah, there is. Nope. He's appealing, and I thought there's got to be an appeal process for it. Well, I thought he was. Yeah, I thought oh, that's what I read. So if he's I, suspended, though, he's he can't practice or be with the team at all, right? Is that like the NH or the NFL? I think the way he that can works? practice with them, but he can't play in the games, right? Can't play in preseason games. Practice, though. I want to say he, I want to say he appealed it already and lost, but uh, I mean, a lot of money. I mean, that's a huge. That's like a, you know, you're you're talking about almost, I mean, not quite, but almost a quarter of the season. You know what I mean? When you when you break down how many games they play, it's a pretty massive fine. So that must be NHL is either trying to uh, set an example, or else there's some pretty legit evidence that he that he screwed up. So. Well, Pat, when was the last time somebody was suspended? 2016, was it, Rob? Uh, yeah, 2016, Anaheim. Yeah, so there's got to be some legitimacy to that, I, I would think. But. Yeah, I mean, if he appealed it and, he, and, and they didn't overturn it, then he's really up shit quick. There's only been five suspensions since um, 2005 when the NHL implemented the PED program. So wow. it, doesn't, it doesn't happen too often. So something big had to happen. Yeah, it's too bad. You know, I, I hate it when these guys get accused for these things. If, you know, when it's such a small amount, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not good for anybody's reputation because people just start – Spreading rumors and you know it's it's tough on the player. He's got to get his confidence back when he gets back in the game. He's got to get his game legs in. You know it's starting behind everybody else. And I don't know where he's at in his contract, but if he hasn't, he's coming up on a signing. It's definitely gonna hurt. Hurts the wallet too. Yeah, that's a lot of money. He's making seven million this year, so I don't think it. Yes, it is a. It probably will hurt him, but. Seven million four hundred eighty-five thousand. Uh, Blake Wheeler just uh, the thirty-two-year-old Wheeler just fi- signed a five-year, forty-one point two five million dollar deal or extension with the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Wheels. Um, Wheels is uh, entering his final year of his contract, so his new deal means he signed through the twenty. 23-24 season, and this deal also comes with a no movement and no modified trade clause. So, in the next five years, 1920 he makes six million. 2021 six point five. 21 22 10 million. 22 23 he drops back down to six point five, and then 23 24 he goes back up to eight point two five. So. You know, it's it's it's, it's pretty, well. yeah, it's pretty big for uh, him. You know, it's sure risky to sign a player through, you know, until he's 37. But they also say, you know, it's pretty hard to ignore what he's done. Last year was his career high, 91 points. E2's been on that team. I think it's E2's new team, but they're looking Winnipeg. really good. They're looking really good. Talking yeah. about Winnipeg? Yeah, Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Yeah, they, you know, like Pat said, he did have 91 points in 81 games, and you know, he's an older guy, but on a team, though, that's stacked with young talent. You, know, you got Patrick Line, he's out, you know, out, still outscoring those guys at 32 years old. So, 
kind of a no-brainer. I mean, you just put 91 points up in 81 games. That's imagine a trophy winner in that. Yeah, he's uh he's Pat's age, so well he will be Pat's age when he's in his last year of his contract. Can you guys imagine trying to play in the NHL right now? <laughs> Fucking barely make a run around my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I can get like almost a mile. Yeah, I mean, look well, at Charo. He's 42, still playing. I mean, that's it's unbelievable. Unreal, huh? But yeah, I mean, they're gonna be good with Bufflin on the in the back, Colin Hellenbuck in the net, uh, Morrissey, Meyer, Tyler Myers, Kyle Connor. I mean, yeah, there's Blake Wheeler, Patrick Line, Jack Rosselvick, Adam Lowry, Ellers. I mean, Kyle Connors. I mean, they're gonna be up there for sure. They're gonna be a tough team Ellers. to beat. Yeah, that team's. It's kind of, uh, you know, I'm a big Rangers fan, obviously, but uh, Winnipeg intrigues me for some reason. I think I've, I've talked about it previously. I kind of like those smaller market teams that uh, kind of can play with the, with the big with the big markets. I always have kind of a kind of a little place in my heart for those for those uh, smaller programs. So they're pretty stacked, man. And this guy, this kind of shores them up. It gives them, you know, what else it does is it gives them a little bit of veteran. Like you say, they're they're really quite a, quite a young team, so it gives them a little bit of veteran presence for for the foreseeable future, which is only going to help those young guys. Yeah, I like these Canadian teams too, like the smaller markets, uh, the Jets, you Winnipeg. You know, I'd like to see the next expansion after Seattle be uh, Quebec. I'd like to see the uh, city of Quebec get a team again. You know, it's these Canadian uh, teams they have great support from their fan base. Um, you know, watching the the playoffs in Winnipeg, the, the amount of people are outside watching the games in the freezing cold, you know, it's it's just a great atmosphere. And they always sell out. It's, it's good for the Canadian NHL League to, to get more fans up in there for the, you know, NHL fan base. I think we might see another team in Canada soon enough. Hope so. Places get rowdy. They do get rowdy up there. We got 34, 34 days till the NHL season starts. So I'm thinking, like, maybe – like 28 days until the preseason starts. So uh, can't wait for that to start. Pretty, uh, I think we're all pretty excited for the season to start and to uh, get on here and banner a little bit about it. Been talk, talking about it all summer. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the guys are in camp right now, aren't they? Yeah, they I don't. I think, I think they're just doing like a captain's practice right now. They're, all the guys are getting on the ice. I think most teams, um, the head coach isn't there. It's just kind of. You know, they get a couple guys. Maybe it's the equipment manager, or someone out, someone out there. They're organized practices. You know, doing some shooting drills for the first ten minutes, and then they get right into scrimmaging to get a probably. You know, obviously the front office is way up in one of the uh, suites um, watching. You know, just like when we all played college hockey. You know, before the season started, we had captains practice and. You know, the coaches weren't supposed to be there, but uh, somehow they're up in the corner with sunglasses on and a wig. <laughs> uh, just, just looking to see what they got, um, to get a kind of a, a leg up on other teams. But other teams are doing the same thing. So, um, no doubt. Well, next but, next couple of podcasts, we're going to have to start breaking down some projections. we got to start yes. making some predictions for who we think is going to be the, you know, who's going to come out of each conference, who's going to come out of each division. We'll, we'll have to do that on the upcoming uh, programs here. I think we're, we ready. we're getting close. Yeah, and we got our uh, fantasy draft coming in in the morning. Yeah, hockey season so, starting. We can start doing some predictions for sure. But uh, I'd like to see a game. So the um, 
the Blue Line Hockey Club text feed was on fire this week. A little bit of controversy between some of the boys here based on what we think is going to grow hockey and how young hockey players are going to develop and, you know, what's good for the game and what's not. And uh, maybe we can just banter a little bit about that, guys. I know we you know, bitched at each other on, on our text feed, but sure. let's, uh, let's get a little bit of this out there for the for the listeners and, you know, see what their thoughts are and then get back to us on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, let us know their thoughts too. So basically uh, one of the big things we talked about was house leagues and anybody that, you know, played hockey when we did, there was always a house league, which was uh, more of um, anybody could get out there and, and skate. It was just in your hometown. Uh, you might have four or five teams, sometimes bigger towns that have eight, 10, but it wasn't traveling. So it wasn't a big commitment financially. Um, it got more kids involved and there was more opportunities for some of the less fortunate kids that couldn't afford to play hockey to get out there and skate and play and develop some more of the players, which has kind of gone by, by the wayside nowadays where there's minor hockey has drifted more towards, uh, you know, everybody wants to get their kid in the NHL and the, the minor league teams are becoming more based on uh, all-star teams instead of your hometown team. So, um why don't we just get into a little bit of it? Uh, we can start and go around the horn. You know, Robbie, you want to give your full philosophy? I know you were pretty uh, well, adamant I mean, about your thoughts. Look, I, I just think oh, he's a stubborn donkey. going to Jackass. grow the game. Mr. fucking know-it-all. <laughs> well, I – okay, well, it's my opinion. <laughs> it is my opinion. Proceed, proceed, proceed. It is my opinion. <laughs> but I do think that house leagues grow the the travel teams, and, and I don't I don't see it as a, a space for you know unfortunate kids. I, I think that it's just a space for people that aren't as confident to grow their confidence. Like I, I, we saw it as more as fun because it was more of like a kind of bragging rights it was bragging rights you know for the the local kids you know if you were out there and you'd score five six goals you know everybody wanted you on your team and you got a chance to showcase a little bit i'm not saying it's going to make or break someone's career i think if someone is that good they're going to surpass those things anyways but to grow the game in the united states i think those things are important yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of on the other side of it. Um, I know you guys were um, pro house leagues and pro um, your own your own towns teams because that's the way we grew up and that's the way it was. And you know, I think that's good, but um, I think it depends on what you want for your kid. And the it seems like even these guys we talk to, like you listen to uh, Adam Fox, you ask him about other sports, they don't have much to say about it. You know, we've talked about that too. You know, being a three-sport athlete and these other sports help you generate eye-hand coordination and, you know, becoming a better hockey player. But as the more of these young guys we talk to, it seems like, you know, hockey's their sport. And, um, you know, they never mention, yeah, I played a little of this, I played a little of that. But once they get to um, that level, I mean, hockey be seems like it becomes, um, you know, the only thing they do and they play it all the time. And they're playing on all the select teams and trying to play at the highest levels because, you know, sure, if you got a guy that's playing in house league, I mean, you're playing against some guys that are not very good, to be honest. 
and you know to be a great hockey player you have to play against the best hockey players because the only way to get better is to play at the highest levels you can and push yourself further if you're the best player on an average team you don't grow that much yeah but so that's kind of my, my issue know, i mean for me we're talking about younger age kids we're not talking about older athletes at that point well i mean yeah, I think what, what i was well, I think what you've heard honestly to that point i think you've heard from a lot of these guys that we've talked to that are you know now stellar hockey players is that they played you know multiple sports up until about like ninth or tenth grade you know then it then it kind of then their focus shifted right it to, was uh you know to hockey full-time you know like it's exactly but i think when we were all talking about this yesterday and what my kind of thing was i didn't grow up like the way i grew up i didn't grow i grew up with a single mom so you know i didn't grow up in a situation where there was like a lot of you know a lot of money to be able to in this day and age you know keep up and play on these kind of i wouldn't even be able to probably play on these you know all-star teams to be honest with you so, not these days uh, no not you know not in this day and age but so it's not only it's not that i'm saying like house league is like a format where you're gonna you know get like these players that can't afford um you know to play on these other teams to become like these stellar athletes i just think it's like an outlet for right. kids that like hockey you know to be able to play you know so a place for them to now, dream a little bit yeah a place for them at least to, to do that and then um you know i think we, we talked to gavin reagan and usa hockey and those guys like they say you know if you're a good hockey player, they'll find you. Well, maybe some kid who doesn't have a lot of money will be playing at house league, maybe get a chance to play on a travel team or something like that. And who knows, you know, at least it gets, you know, some kind of exposure where maybe some parent will say, well, Hey, did you see so-and-so playing? He's, he's got a lot of talent. So, but I don't know. I, I just, I feel bad for kids because I think minor hockey's kind of been blown up and people with, you know, maybe living vicariously through their children have kind of taken over the reins and, and pushed everybody into these um, all-star teams, basically, you know, and minor hockey just isn't what it is when we grew up. So I don't know. I, I think house leagues can be a way for some kids to play, but I also think these all-star teams are important as well. Um, but there's got to be some kind of happy medium, I think. I just wish it wasn't like completely blown up and there's only right, right. It seems like these, black and white, you know. These new leagues seem to be more geared towards finding the one shooting star, yeah, than you know, cultivating a whole group of potential players, right? Well, I, th I, I think I, I can see both sides of the story, but I think what it boils down to. First is you got to ask this question, how many, what are your numbers? How many kids do you got? And then once you find out that number is it, you know, through the whole, you know, peewee organization, is it 65? Is it 125? If it's up in that higher spectrum, then obviously implement a house league. I mean, it's more ice. Um, it's almost like a farm system for, uh, the travel teams, if you got two or three kids that are sick, um, you know, you have a home game in your hometown, you can pull two kids from that house league and their parents don't have to spend money. Um, and it gives a kid confidence, gets him a little more excited into hockey. 
Um, you know, he tells his dad, dad, I think this is what I want to do. I had a great time. But what it boils down to is your numbers. If you don't have enough numbers to make a house league, then you can't argue with some organization that, you know, has the numbers and then they're not doing it. So I think it's based on the numbers. But on the other side, Mark is right. I mean, if you're the star player, which I think this happens as you get older and you're 13 or 14, when when the kid's really just out on that ice, um, I mean, it's just – I mean, I, I've, I've seen some kids, you know, who are two or three years older playing, playing kids two or three years older, and they're still out there wheeling and dealing. I think that's when you take that kid – and send him to a prep school or a hockey farm. But to get to get him to that point, you you have to get him on the ice. He has to skate. He has to play street hockey. He has to skate. So if you have the numbers, you implement a house league on top of your travel team because, A, it's a practice <clears throat> that everyone chips in for, not just the 20 players that are the travel team. You're talking about the kids that are Johnny Clark who's wearing his jeans over his fucking shin pads. Yes, but he's a, he's a good example. <laughs> I mean, you can laugh. You, he's a good example of, uh, of a serious hockey player that went and wrestled instead. I mean. Well, it's cheaper. They, and that's the other thing I wanted matter. to say. He, he was an athlete. He could have chose any sport he wanted to. Right, but look at that family. How many kids were there? Seven, eight of them? People aren't having as many kids anymore either. I mean, you know, back then, when we were kids, there was two house league divisions. There's junior and senior division, and then I want to say there were six to eight teams. I don't even think the Canton Peewee could put in four teams and fill them every week. I think we played, what, Tuesday and Thursday nights, or was it just one night a week? I can't remember. I really can't. But um, it comes down to numbers. Well, you're right, Pat. It definitely comes down to numbers. If there's not enough people there, and you know, it's you're absolutely right. It does boil down to numbers. But I think we're talking. I, th- I think I'm maybe I'm speaking out of school for Rob, but we're talking. I think I'm talking more of like when you're much younger. You know, like let these kids kind of compete in a fashion that's not too serious. Right. Let them talking, figure out if you like the game without having to spend a bunch of money. You from, know, and then from five then, to then after, ten, what yeah. they're doing right yeah. now is insignificant. I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, even at that age, you talk about it, where a ten-year-old, well, there's ten-year-olds that are really good, you know, and they're going on and they're playing in higher levels, and you know, they're playing in AAA instead of playing in B. Like, if, if we were at a B B okay. level team you know but if they leave and they go to the all-star team they're playing triple a teams up in canada they're playing the, the nationals out of syracuse and they're going to these big tournaments so i mean the other part of it is you know it takes money to be a good hockey player in my opinion so yes. even if we take these guys from house league and they don't and they're a good player who's going to finance these guys to actually become a great player and pat can attest to this because he had his nephews playing at some of the highest levels how many of the people that they played with at Shaddix or the development program families came with money? I mean, they were probably some of the poorer kids on those teams, correct? Oh, for sure. These, some of their friends had Lamborghinis, private jets, um, unreal money. Um, and they were, 
probably the lowest of the low money-wise kids at Shattuck St. Mary's. Yeah, and you have like um, so some of these people, like just for example, Jimmy Howard's kids, who's uh, the goalie for the, um, you know, obviously the goalie for the Red Wings. His kid's like I think four, and he has a skating coach, and he can stop on a dime and he can skate like a, skate like the wind at four years old. Where you know my kid's four, and he can get up and down the ice. That's about it. You know, so these people like him that are getting private ice time for their kid, and they're giving him a skating coach. And like, you know, how can you compete with that? And, um, you know, they're, they're getting more ice time because they can afford it. Um, they're getting better equipment. They're getting better coaches. They're getting, um, you know, they got guys coming in and teaching their kids privately. So, I mean, it's, it seems that like, unfortunately, that's kind of the way of hockey, you know, like even all these guys from St. Louis, look at all these NHL guys coaching these kids. I'm sure it costs a pretty penny to play on Keith Kachuk's team. You know, I'm sure it's not cheap to get into that team. I'm sure there's a, you know, decent sized fee for the team as far as their, all their travel expenses and all that shit, you know? So, I mean, as far as having really good players that are going to go D1 and, and beyond, I think kids are going to have to have money to do it. I mean, I just, they're so competitive now and, and the people with money have such an advantage over, t- you know, people in Canton, New York. My yeah. opinion. I mean, you guys say what you want, but that's just how I, mean, I see it. Listen, I, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, people with money are going to, you know, people that have a bunch of money, their kids are obviously going to have an advantage over kids that don't have money. I think the point of what it helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think what the point of what, um, you know, having some of these other kind of programs like a housing and something is, like, is, is for the kids though, that don't have that money. So at least let them, let, at least let them be able to play and, you never know. I mean, I don't know, Pat, how did, you know, with Jordan and JD, without them having, you know, a big financial backing, how did they get there? What, what happened? Well, I, a lot of prep schools now are um, kind of adopted the college um, financial aid system. So um, I never went to prep school. Rob can attest to this probably more than I can. But you can actually, um, you know, finance, your parents can finance, you know, take out student loans and send you to um, colleges. So that's a possibility now. And it's all based on your income, just like college, how much you have to pay, um, how much your parents have to pay, um, things like that. And um, so for my two nephews to go to Shattuck St. Mary's as a single mother, um, they didn't have to pay too much. And um, that was fortunate for them. And, uh, and they were and they were playing with the elite, so that it just it just shows you that you know you have to play with the top levels to grow your strengths. And uh, if you play in those lower leagues, and you're that good, but you have to be that good. Now Jordan was playing three, you know, playing against. He's played on the St. Lawrence Thunder, and he was playing um, two years from his age group, and he was you know wheeling and dealing out there. So. I think we almost had to take it to the next level. Um, sure. Just everybody was just kind of wowing and people were calling. And, um, but until you see that diamond in that rough, I don't think you have to go to that extent, but, uh, but if you do have money and, you know, you can, we can just go on and on. There's so many things. Uh, that I, can... we're, we're, I just think we're making two different points about the same type of thing. I mean, it, it, yes. 
I think it's good for USA Hockey. I mean, the the more people playing hockey, the more people are paying the forty dollar membership for USA Hockey. USA Hockey gets bigger; they have more money to do what they do as far as promoting the game and and uh, you know making the hockey players better in, in the United States. And uh, you know, it, it's an unfortunate thing. And I think the biggest problem is that even the people that have house league, um, I guess, skill level kids think their kids should be on the triple a team so you know once they they try to get their kid on the st Lawrence thunder or the steel or one of these um protein or not pro teams but select teams and they don't make it then they're fucked because now they're back on the c team or the b team and you know they don't get to play with the good kids where if they if they didn't have all these select teams they would still have good players to play with they'd be playing at higher than their skill level um, and they wouldn't be playing with all the C players. You'd have B players, A players, and, you know, it would be more diverse and it would help you grow. Because some players don't develop until they're 12, 13 years old. So they might be really small when they're when they're young, so they get left behind. And then by the time they're 13, 14, they start coming into their game, and then now they're behind the eight ball. So I think me, me, me personally, Mark, and everybody else, I just hate to see anybody get left out because they don't have some money because there can be some really talented kids that just don't have money. You know what I mean? So you see that well, they, they brought this up in, in U.S. Let's, real quick, Rob. They mm -hmm. brought this up like in USA soccer, right? USA soccer. Everybody kind of wonders, like, why isn't USA soccer dominant on the world stage when when these tiny countries like Brazil and, you know, whatever are dominating the sport? It's because – in USA, the soccer program is all infused with money. If you don't have a bunch of money, your kid's not going to play at any level to get recognized to be picked up by a USA development program. And it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same way hockey's going. And in you know a country like Brazil, people are dirt, you know a lot of people are dirt poor, but they're going to they they that doesn't eliminate them from being picked up from a talent standpoint. You know, so I just I think. Money obviously speaks no matter what sport it is, and it's just a, it's a shame though to have that basically rule out a big segment of the kids that might have the ability to really contribute, you know, all the way up through any level of uh, any level of play. So I just I hate to see that. This is coming from a kid that didn't have money, so um, I hate to see that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean with with the example. With the example of the 13-year-old the that's peaking late, I mean, they're peaking yeah, late, but they still might be really really good. So yeah. it, it, with that being said, you could have just pulled them out of the running, and they could still be the next, you know, best thing. Sure, sure. All, all I'm saying is for the U.S., if we want to promote hockey and grow the sport, you need to have the house leagues. They're going to spill over to travel. Then the, the numbers grow for the travel into the, you know, the, it, by the time you're 10, 11, 12, 13, that's when the cream starts to rise to the top, and then they have to start playing up. I don't think five-year-olds should be traveling the state or going into Canada and playing tournaments. That's because we can't get in. <laughs> that's because you can't get in, Rob. I can <laughs> Let's be honest. Thank you. So, so you're the queen. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm fucking banned from a bunch of countries, Canada being one. But uh, Thank you. that's a good debate, and um, hopefully we get some people listening this week that will chime in and write us on Facebook and uh, Twitter and, and let us know your thoughts. Write us an email on our on our uh, our website and let us know what you think about house leagues, what you think about how to, the best way to develop more hockey players in the United States. So the good, it's a good topic to talk about. Yep. How do we and grow the is, game? And this is our 25th episode of the Blue Line Ooh. Hockey Club. So we have hit a small milestone here, and uh, we can't wait to hit 50, 75, and 100. So 100. keep listening to us on, on uh, Blue Line Hockey Club every week. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, um, also bluelinehockeyclub.com. So until next week, folks, keep your stick on the ice. See ya. Peace. Keep your head up. Meow. Meow. Meow.